This podcast is sponsored in part by Fiverr. Click the link in the show notes. And if you purchase anything from Fiverr, you're helping not only this podcast, you're helping to spread the gospel all around the world. You're helping to stop the slave trade and human trafficking. And you're helping the persecuted church. Fiverr is an online marketplace for freelance services. Fiverr, it starts here. Welcome to By the Fire. I'm your host, Dave Smale, and this is Captured. Chapter 20 The Imam and the Interpreter. Jeffy awoke with a start, sweating and hyperventilating. Sleeping back to back with Raoul, he was awakened too. You all right, man? Raoul asked. Jeffy didn't answer. Nightmare again? The breathing slowed. Yeah, sorry, Jeffy finally replied. You don't need to be sorry, bro. I understand. Hey, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> right, Jeffy said with a sigh. Though they were whispering, Raoul could hear Jeffy's discouragement. They'd both lost track of time. It may have been five weeks since they were taken, but maybe longer. However, they did know that six days ago, they'd witnessed a horrific event. The terrorists brought in a new prisoner. However, the man's stay was short. Very short. They dragged him to the dunes on the outskirts of the compound in full view of the cage and put him on his knees. They set up a video camera, donned black hoods and masks, and filmed themselves saying something in Arabic to the camera and then executing him by three-man firing squad. They celebrated their victory as they did so, firing multiple rounds into the air and shouting, Alu al-Akbar! It took both of them by surprise. Until that day their stay had been relatively uneventful. They were left alone to starve and thirst most days, subsisting on scant food scraps and strange-tasting water their captors would toss their way once a day. Every few days, Raoul and Jeffy were pulled from the cage to relieve themselves, then beaten senseless before being tossed back in. It seemed things would go on like that forever, until the unexpected execution. Raoul didn't know what the man had done to deserve execution, but he did know why they had killed him in full view of their cage. Psychological warfare, or psyops. They'd tried to escape several times. It obviously hadn't worked, and each time they were beaten more severely. Even in their weakened state, it seemed that Raoul and Jeffy were building a tolerance for the beatings. The terrorists realized it and decided to send a message. Stop trying to escape, or this will happen to you. It was received loud and clear. The shooting had had the desired effect, at least on Jeffy. Raoul had once read that discouragement directly attacks a person's will to live or will to fight, which in turn saps all their physical strength. These terrorists apparently had read the same book. They knew that discouragement was the most effective weapon used in psyops. It caused Raoul to reconsider his theory that they were a disorganized bunch of mercenaries for hire. As for Jeffy, not only was he discouraged, but ever since the execution... He'd been having vivid nightmares. As a not-so-subtle reminder, 
they left the man's body to rot in the desert sun, which it did, and now stunk badly. The flies were having a field day with the corpse. The scorching Middle Eastern sun beat down upon them daily. The cage did little to shade them. The nights were sometimes cold by comparison, with the desert winds blowing sand mercilessly. It seemed sandstorms struck every week and sometimes lasted through the night until sunrise. More than a few times, the sand blew non-stop for two days at a time. The sand was not like coarse beach sand, but rather a fine powder which coats everything like flour or powdered sugar. The sand packed itself into their ears and other bodily crevices. Moreover, it was easily inhalable and caused them to cough, hack, and dry heave. During those storms, their captors did not bother to give them any type of sustenance. They both were weak, but Jeffy was visibly the weaker of the two. Raoul thought it had more to do with Jeffy's loss of spirit than lack of food. Their skin hung loose around their necks and chins, having lost so much weight so quickly. Muscles in their arms appeared sinewy. They were able to see every tendon in their forearms move if they made a fist. Their cheeks and eyes were sunken in. Raoul weighed 200 pounds when he entered the camp. Jeffy weighed around 170. If they stepped on the scale now, Raoul thought he'd weigh 150. Jeffy maybe 130. Raoul tried his best to keep Jeffy upbeat. He told him jokes, but that hadn't worked. He tried getting him to talk about his upbringing, but quickly found that was not a good idea either. Talking about home caused depression. Raoul, on the other hand, seemed more exuberant by the day, as if imprisonment was making him stronger. Though he certainly felt weak from the lack of food and water, as well as exposure, it seemed that if he were ever let out of this cage for more than the amount of time required to perform necessary bodily functions, he'd immediately preach his captors straight to their knees, if they understood English, that was. The sun rose ten minutes before, and the morning was already sweltering. If experience had taught them anything, this would be the type of day when the camp was silent while their captors sought shelter from the heat, thereby neglecting him and Jeffy more than usual. Conversation sounded from somewhere in the camp. After so many weeks, they'd deciphered which voice belonged to which captor, for they had hardly anything else to do besides rot, be tortured, and plan their next failed escape attempt. Giving their captors nicknames had been Raoul's idea, thinking a little humor might bring a glimmer of hope back to Jeffy. They counted five henchmen in all, though only three were regulars. There was one who was short with a big round gut. They called him Tubby, since Jeffy said he reminded him of the portly kid from the movie Major Pain. One Tubby Tubby, two Tubby Tubby, Jeffy had recalled, quoting the movie. Tubby was a regular. Always at the compound, another regular was tall and lanky. Raul named him Flaco, Spanish for skinny. The other regular was the gunman from the car ride. They called him Shooter. He was always armed, unlike the others who usually only carried machetes. Shooter was easily the meanest and hardest hitting of the bunch. Raul and Jeffy cringed whenever he was on duty. The two irregulars were the cab driver, who they called Uber, and the leader, who they dubbed John Wayne, 
When John Wayne was gone, Tubby was apparently the de facto leader. As the voices drew closer, Raoul realized there were two that he didn't recognize. John Wayne appeared, approaching their cage with two other men. One was a bespectacled man in his late fifties or early sixties, with a bushy gray beard. He wore a white head covering, a long black and gray robe and sandals which could only be seen when his robe was blown back by the wind as he walked. The other man was in his late twenties or early thirties with a neat short cropped beard. He wore a white dress shirt, charcoal gray slacks, and brown leather dress shoes. John Wayne was subtly dismissed by the younger man in the dress shirt, who then directed his icy gaze at Raoul and Jeffy. You two, listen to me. This man, he motioned to the robed elder, is a highly respected imam. You will listen carefully to everything he has to say with the utmost attention and respect. Do you understand? He spoke English clearly with only a hint of an Arabian accent. It startled them to hear someone speak English after so many weeks of nothing but Arabic. Dumbfounded, neither of the sailors answered. Do you understand? The man in the dress shirt repeated. Jeffy and Raoul both nodded and looked at the imam. The elder man began to speak to them in Arabic. He'd stop every few seconds for the man in the dress shirt to interpret. The reason you are here, he began, is because of your country's cowardly policy toward the Muslim world. You drop bombs from aircraft. You raid our villages, kill our women and children. You send your troops and say you are bringing us freedom by your invasion, only to secularize us. We will have no more of it. The hour is at hand. The Mahdi is rising even now to bring an end to the great Satan who allies with the Zionists. This is written in the Holy Quran, and Allah will bring it to pass. There is no escape. You have a choice. Confess that there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet, three times, and you will be spared. Perhaps he will even show you mercy. I will give you three days in which to make this choice, unless you are prepared to make it now. Jeffy stared at the imam, not knowing how to respond then gasped when he realized what was about to happen. <laughs> nope, Raoul said with a laugh. <laughs> the interpreter's eyes widened. So did Jeffy's. You dare laugh at the imam, he said. It is threats? Yeah, Raoul replied. Dude, Jeffy whispered. What are you doing? Raoul didn't respond. The interpreter turned toward the camp and yelled something in Arabic. Seconds later, three terrorists came running, John Wayne, Shooter, and Flacco. The interpreter barked at them while pointing at Raoul. Shooter hurriedly rushed to the cage and yanked Raoul out, while the other two scurried off to somewhere behind a sand dune. Shooter dragged Raoul onto the sand to the feet of the imam and the interpreter. The other men returned a few minutes later, pushing a tall, archaic-looking wooden contraption across the sand which was evidently giving them a run for their money. The wooden thing looked like gallows. Once they'd finished positioning it, Shooter hoisted Raoul to his feet with one hand. The man was very strong. Flacco produced a long, stout rope from somewhere. Raoul didn't see where. The rope was thrown over the top beam of the gallows. 
The end of it dangled in front of Raoul's face. For a moment he thought they would use the rope as a noose and fasten it around his neck, but he quickly dismissed the thought when Shooter began tying the rope around his wrists. Flacco and John Wayne grabbed the other end of the rope, using the upper beam of the structure as a pulley, lifting him off the ground. The interpreter barked an order in Arabic at Shooter, who sprinted to the nearest wood hut and returned half a minute later with a bullwhip. Raoul's feet dangled only three inches from the ground, just enough to be completely at their mercy. Shooter swung the whip. It cracked against Raoul's ribs, sending a sting of pain throughout his body. He clenched his teeth and let out a muffled growl. Raoul didn't expect the whip to hurt so badly as it did. The amount of weight he'd lost probably had a lot to do with it. The whip struck again, this time across the mid-back. The sting was worse, but Raoul managed to stifle a cry of pain. The terrorist struck him again, and again. The pain was excruciating. Twenty times, Shooter whipped him, though Raoul lost count after eleven. Twice the whip struck his legs, opening up gashes that poured down blood onto the sand. The gashes that had been opened up on his torso were mostly soaked up by his orange prisoner robe. At last the interpreter commanded the whipping to be stopped. The men hoisting Raoul let go of the rope, and he collapsed onto the sand. He groaned as his open wounds were immediately packed with the scorching hot powder. Raoul refused to give his captors the gratification of showing how much pain he was in, though if the whipping had continued, he likely would have relented. Flacco and John Wayne lazily picked him up, by his shredded garment, which ripped more. The men took a moment to put gloves on before grabbing him by the insides of each arm. Raoul looked up at the imam and the interpreter. To his surprise, a rush of energy like a second wind came over him. He took a deep breath and locked eyes with each of them as if to say, You can't really hurt me. Shock flashed behind the imam's eyes, though the man tried to remain indifferent. The interpreter looked enraged, as if he was more upset by the seeming ineffectiveness of the punishment than at Raoul's disrespect of the imam. He glared at Raoul. The next time I will not tell him to stop after twenty, he declared. He pointed at the cage, and the two terrorists carried Raoul to it, hurling him back inside with force. He tumbled and slammed against Jeffy, smearing him with blood and sand. The imam and the interpreter turned and left, as soon as the cage door was shut, not giving Jeffy an opportunity to make a profession. The terrorist minions scampered about the compound in various directions, talking at each other in their native tongue. Jeffy looked at Raoul with disdain as the two worked to separate themselves. As soon as he was sure that the men were out of earshot, he whispered, Bro, why'd you do that? <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. Thanks for asking, Raoul said. Jeffy blushed, but persisted. Dude, they're going to kill us unless we say we're Muslims. They're going to kill us either way, man. We're from the U.S. We're infidels. No, that interpreter guy said we'd be spared. Look, man, Raoul began. I studied Islam for a Bible study a while ago. They got this thing called taqiyah. I remember because it sounds like tequila. It's a law that pretty much lets them lie to non-believers if it benefits them. I don't know, Jeffy said, shaking his head. 
think I'll just take my chances. I'll say I'm converting so they don't kill me, but I won't believe it. I'll just be telling them what they want to hear. It don't work that way, man. I'm telling you. These guys are going to kill us whether we do it or not. So why don't we deceive the deceivers then? Jeffy said. Raul considered that for a moment. Okay, then what? When they go to kill us, we can just say, but wait, you told us we'd be spared? Come on, man. Whatever, bro. I just want to get out of here, man. I'll do whatever it takes. Hey, I want to go home too, but I'm not going to deny Christ to get there. Jeffy frowned, shook his head, and looked away. Plus, think about it, Raul continued. Say we tell them we changed our minds and became Muslims. You think they're just going to say, Oh, okay, well, our work is done here, and then give us a ride back to the ship or drop us off at the closest U.S. embassy? Jeffy trembled. He hadn't given any thought to anything Raul had just said. I don't know, he replied, but I've been thinking. All right, I'm just going to say it. You could have got us out of here by now. Raul looked surprised. Huh? What you mean? He asked. Dude, I've heard your stories. You fought guys tougher than these ones before, and more of them, and won. Raul considered that for a moment. It was true. He had fought and defeated more and stronger men than these. Except maybe Shooter. There was something different about that guy. That was a long time ago, Raoul replied. What? Wasn't it like just a year or two ago? Raoul sighed, and then nodded. You're telling me you can't break free from those ropes and kill all these dudes? Come on, man. I'm not like that anymore. Jesus changed- Dude, stop. Just stop. An awkward silence followed for a moment before Jeffy spoke again. Answer my question, he said. I did. No, you didn't. Could you break out and beat these guys? Raoul didn't answer. See, you're not answering, because you know the truth. You can kill these guys and get us out of here, Jeffy said angrily. And after what I saw today, I'm more convinced than ever. They whipped you like 20 times, man. You didn't even flinch. Look, Jeffy... You said they're going to kill us anyway, right? Jeffy interrupted. Raoul nodded. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm telling you, man. They didn't go to all the trouble of kidnapping two sailors just to get us to convert to Islam. If they're going to kill us anyway, why not go down fighting? Because I got news for you. I don't want to die! Me neither, Jeffy. Oh, yeah? You could have fooled me. You're on this whole righteous martyr for Jesus kick. But it's not just you here, you know. You're being selfish, bro. Selfish? How am I being selfish? I'm the one that just got whipped. Yeah, you basically invited them to do it, Jeffy retorted. Bro, we're in this together. I don't know how to fight, but you do. You... Jeffy looked like he could have jumped out of his skin. He took a moment and collected his thoughts before continuing. I've heard you say in your Bible study that... God gives people gifts, right? Raoul nodded. If you really believe that, then you've got an obligation to use your fighting skills to get us out of here, even if you learned them in your old life. Hey, chill, man. You're freaking out because of what happened to me just now, Raoul replied. Yeah, you think? Jeffy looked down, shaking his head and huffing. 
I got people back home I want to see again. Like my family. I miss my mom and dad. Jeffy's throat clenched. He sobbed. Eh, look. Don't you have anyone back home you want to get back to? Jeffy again interrupted. Like your friend Matt you're always talking about? Or or your pastor or that girl on the ship who likes you? McNamara? Raul looked a bit surprised. Roxy liked him? And Jeffy knew? He wanted to ask how he knew, since Raul didn't, but that would derail the more important conversation. He decided not to get sidetracked. I mean, sure I do, Raul said. So you agree with me that we should fight back? I mean, yeah, but we tried to escape already and they always catch us. No, we tried to run, not fight. Like I said, I can't fight, but you can. So I'm asking you to fight. Now, how do you suggest we do it? Uh, I, uh... Raul didn't know how to respond. He said the first thing that came to his mind. I say we trust God, Jeffy sneered. Knew you were going to say that. Unbelievable. A lot of good that's done. Hey, hey, hold up. You said I just got whipped and didn't flinch, right? Want to know how that happened? Jeffy shrugged. He didn't care to hear the answer. Because God was with me. Oh, he was with you? Jeffy said, incredulous. Yeah, man. I can feel his spirit. Dude, I don't even know why I'm talking to you right now. You just, you just lost a ton of blood. We're out here in the sun every day with barely enough food and water to survive. You're probably hallucinating. Nah, man. I ain't seeing things. This is real. Whatever, Jeffy said, turning away from him. He ignored Raoul the rest of the day. You've been listening to By the Fire, and I really hope you enjoyed what you heard. Why don't you let me know, one way or the other? Leave me a review on Apple or on Podchaser. Or you can send me an email, info at davesmail.com. Also, if you go to my website and sign up for my newsletter, you'll get a free novella safe house i'll be back next week with another chapter of captured so until then thanks again and god bless this is a work of fiction names characters businesses places events and incidents are either the products of the author's imagination or used in a fictitious manner. Any resemblance to actual persons, living or dead, or actual events, is purely coincidental.